Hi, I'm James Batchelor, and you're listening to the Games in Biz podcast. I'm here at the European Women in Games Conference, and joining me are three women in games. <laughs> um, do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, certainly. So I'm uh, Gemma Johnson-Brown. I'm the Vice President of HR and Facilities for Dovetail Games. Uh, we're, we're based in um, Chatham in Kent, and I've been working there for about five years. We have 150 employees, and we produce uh, simulation entertainment, trains, planes, and fishing. Uh, PC and console. Cool. Uh, my name is Deborah Mensabansu. Uh, I work at Space Ape Games. We're a mobile game developer based uh, near Soho in London. Uh, we've got four live titles and another four to five in development. Uh, we've been around since 2012 and we're now about 105 people and I myself work in content marketing. Uh, hi, my name is Jennifer Schneidereit. I'm a uh, German game designer and programmer. I uh, have my own uh, very small independent studio here in London called Yum Yum. Um, we released a game uh, called Tengami a couple of years ago, which is a atmospheric adventure game in a Japanese pop-up book. Yeah, and we are just making more games now. Brilliant. And thank you so much to the three of you for joining us. And I kind of want to get you guys together to just talk about, obviously we're here at the Women in Games Conference, talk about the different routes for women into the industry, the different obstacles they face, the, and how we can kind of overcome those in the industry. I guess the first question would be like, how did each of you get into games? How did you get into this career? Okay, first. Okay, yeah. so, um, so HR, I think we're quite traditional in that we have more women in the support um, functions rather than in development, which is where I'll be focusing on um, attracting more women into that area. Uh, but HR is cross-functional and we're able to transition uh, so I had 13 years in a completely different um, background in manufacturing and I've always loved games I've always been a gamer and it was really attractive uh, to, to come into that industry um, so I'm a journalist by background and I decided I didn't want to work in news anymore and was looking for something different and then ended up at Xbox first. They were looking for somebody with an editorial background who spoke a few different languages. So I started at Xbox, was there for about a year and a half before switching to Space Ape Games. Yeah, I've, uh, like since I was a little girl, like roughly six years old, um, I always knew that I wanted to make video games. Um, because, you know, back in the day, I was playing on the Atari video games, like, weren't very good. But, like, you could already see, like, the potential of what they could be. Mm. And uh, so then I figured out kind of, like, roughly the next 15 years how I could get into the games industry. And I decided that I needed a computer science degree. And so I got a computer science degree. And uh, when I graduated, I... Um, was uh, very fortunate to find a job with a Japanese developer in Tokyo called Acquire. Uh, some people, um, if you remember back to the PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 era, maybe remember um, Tenchi Stealth Assassins or the Way of the Samurai series. And so I worked with them on um, mostly ninja and, uh, and samurai action adventure games for four years. And uh, after that, I came here to the UK to work uh, with Rare on uh, Connect Sports. Oh wow, nice, excellent. So I guess I guess the real challenge the industry faces is kind of finding more use in terms yeah. of like yeah, like young young person who wants who's interested in games from the word go. I mean, I, they've got to be out there because you know, the number varies, obviously, but the the player base for games globally is something like 51, 52% women, yeah. like 52% female. So amongst those 52%, surely there are some people. So how do we 
get that interest? How do we tell them, look, this is not a career dominated by men. You can come and make games. You can do exactly what Jennifer's done. I think it's a, a multi attack type thing so so Jennifer was interested from six she's not been put off she's not been sort of deterred from going that route but I'm sure you've had obstacles along that way where um, I have a nine-year-old daughter uh, and she's interested because I'm in the games industry but mm-hmm. her friends are they're, they're, well, that's not the parents are kind of deter them from going that route so it's kind of attacking their parents attacking the education system and making it attractive making sure that when females come into games organizations they're not uh, harassed or, or put off anyway it's kind of supporting them at every some sort of step mm-hmm. i think um as well i mean for myself for example like i didn't grow up with games it wasn't something that i was necessarily into when i was younger I didn't really have much um, experience with it but I think I also had maybe some preconceived notions about what the game industry would be like Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of that has to do with you know it's sort of looking like a boys club from the outside and once I actually got into the industry it felt very different so I think like games are for everyone and sometimes if you're on the outside you don't realize that as much but when you get in you're like wait a minute there's a whole world out there of different games that are not necessarily just aimed at the you know 18 to 30 male demographic like mm-hmm. there are tons of games that can appeal to to women to to whoever and i don't think i realized that as much before i got into the industry mm-hmm. so maybe making that clearer from the get-go and also that women can you know come up with games and design games that some men may not be able to to come up with or may not conceive of and that those games also have a place i think is really important yeah i, I think like it's all kind of connected we we have an image problem of being this boys club as you say like it's already been mentioned in talks this morning that companies outside the games industry still view video games as something for boys for you know 50 yeah 18 to 30 as you, as you say like, and and therefore the the industry tends to be seem a lot more male-dominated than it is. It's still male-dominated, there's no denying that. But, I mean, Maria Stukov um, mentioned in a talk this morning that um, when she first started in the industry, I think about 6 to 8% of the workforce was female, and now it's up to 22%. So we've we've made some progress. We've made a lot of progress. But, I mean, is that progress fast enough? How can we improve on that? Because ideally we want it to get to 50%, right? Ideally, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Utopia 50-50 would be ideal. But um, you look at the the talent pipeline that's coming in, we we need to look at the education system and are are people selecting computer science as a a route now for a degree or is it apprenticeships that we need to offer? Mm. And do we make sure they're 50-50 on male-female? Do we look at those that are returning to work, so people that have taken career breaks for whatever reason, do we need to give them the skills to be able to return and look at the games industry as a viable long-term career path for them where they may have taken five, ten years out? Mm. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's, there's not, I think, one solution that will solve everything, but going from five, six percent to 22 percent, that's a dovetail we've gone from nine percent when i joined to 22 percent that's five years that's mm. good progress that's good if, is it in all of the areas no it's not but we're getting women in leadership levels We're we're trying to pull people up and and give them the skills they need and get that sort of culture and mentality where uh, diversity not just male and female is good 
because mm. our players are diverse. So yeah, that's where the payoff is for a company. You're all nodding. Nodding. <laughs> nodding in the group doesn't work on an audio and it's interesting you say like yeah, that the dovetails um, expanded the number of uh, women in the diversity of your workforce but not necessarily in each different area I think we have a tendency with this sort of conversation to always refer to getting women into games development and this sort of conference, it did just not that it's, it's the only focus of the conversation, but it tends to dominate the conversation. He's talking about getting more um, young girls skilled up and getting them into computing science and, and different degrees that will help get them. But there are other areas, aren't there, like within the, the industry? I mean, like what other areas do you think could do with a, with a greater female presence? I'm going to suggest media, for one. The number of female journalists is compared to male is minimal. We're definitely at less than 22% in the media space. I mean, what about you guys? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, sure, media, but I think, like, for our company specifically, we've got, a, like, a good number of females working, but it's not only in, like, the development space. I mean, we have women across different disciplines, so game design, uh, you know, PMing, POing, QA, um, customer service, like it just spans sort of a, a plethora of different roles, but also some of those people have come into the roles um, while they were at the company. So, I mean, they might've gotten their foot in with something else and then been mentored at the company to be able to step into a bigger role. And I think that's really important as well, that you don't necessarily, you know, sort of shoehorn yourself into one specific role right from the get-go because you can progress and you can grow as long as that space and that mentorship is there for you. Mm. So I think as companies, it's really important to be able to recognize, you know, the the strengths in their workers, in their female workers and say, hey, this person came in doing this job, but you know what? They've contributed on this project and done a fantastic job. So maybe they can move up. And then that doesn't just go for, you know, female workers. It goes for, for everybody at our company. But I think that's happened a lot. And that's why we have so many uh, women across different disciplines in our company, which is great. Yeah, I think that, um, that at Dovetail, we, we've fallen into that trap of, oh, you're a fantastic artist, so therefore you'll be a good leader of these artists. Mm. And we're just about to um, embark on a quite an intensive five-month training course for our people managers, which focuses on situational leadership, so um, adapting your leadership style to what your team are like. Um, and so there will be traits that come out of that which will mainly is going to be around coaching and mentoring so we're able to bring sort of that next level up um, so we've got a very robust workforce uh, ready to teach and train and develop the, the next guys that we have. Mm -hmm. I think we're also uh, kind of like lacking women at the top, at the creative top. Like I can only name one creative, like one female creative director in AAA that is still working, which is Amy Hennig mm -hmm. from the Star Wars series. But after that, like my brain's blanking. I don't know any other woman that has, you know, reached like that that kind of height of a career. And then we have Jade Raymond yeah. as the executive director, also on Star Wars, and you know her own studio hat. But I mean, you can find a few more women, kind of like in on the business side. But like creative direction or, you know, technical direction, art direction, like where are our female success stories, right? Where are our, our female leaders there? I imagine, I imagine there are more within the indie space and the mobile space. Like certainly a lot of um, 
the female developers I meet are tend tend to be independent, tend to be mobile, yeah. and and running their own projects, kind of like you know, kind of like yourself, like running your own ventures. So, it, but I guess yeah, it shouldn't it shouldn't be down to them to to kind of create their own opportunities, like more you know, studios. You would hope would be able to do more to get more women into leadership and creative leadership positions and mm-hmm. um, definitely I, I, do you think then that more needs to be done because as you say like you can only name say Amy Hennig and Jade Raymond you can't think of there may well be more out there there almost certainly is more out there like do you think the industry needs to do a better job of highlighting the female talent it already has and and those those who are already in established like kind of high profile positions yeah I think that's definitely one step towards and I think this is where the media needs to come in because the media um, very often, very much shies away from highlighting women as creative geniuses or creative visionaires, but we have no problem like assigning these labels to male creators. Mm. And I think this is—it's not. I mean, it's not only a problem in video games. It's obviously like kind of like a social, a systemic social problem that women are denied this kind of role of the creative visionaire, the innovator, and things like that. But I think, especially in the way that we tell media stories around games, they are very, very male centric. And they don't highlight women in the same way. Mm. I think maybe it has to do with like the kinds of games that we're putting out there as well. So, like for example, our games are they're played by male majority, but we definitely make sure to have like strong female leads in our titles. Um, so I think like as an industry, the games that we're putting out there, I'm sure we could be doing more to to have strong female leads in our games, so that you know everybody is represented in the games. It doesn't just go for women, but just different people with different points of view who are represented in like a genuine way. And that naturally is going to, you know, connect with different people. And I think the more games that we put out there that are going to be, you know, connecting with different types of people, the more those people are going to be interested in the industry. So I think it kind of goes both ways. It's like we have to work from within to also to put that picture out there so that the media and everybody else sees it and says, hey, what about that game with those interesting characters and those different time, different points of view, um, just to be able to tell those stories, I think. so. I, I think the, the audience is becoming a bit more receptive to that. Things like Life, you know, Life is Strange, you know, teenage female lead, not in a, you know, Historically, you know, like, you know, the the overly sexualized way that people complain about, you know, like it, it is genuinely like just a normal teenage girl, and it's about the struggle she faces in the different time travel. I'll be honest, I haven't played it all the way through, so I can't describe it in great detail. But um, but yeah, but, but life is strange was a hit, and people were so excited for the new one, and not, not just before the storm, but also you know, the 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 sequel series. Uh, yeah, I mean. Would you guys like to see more kind of games like like that coming out from from larger publishers and larger studios? Because we, we've got plenty of diversity in the in the indie space in terms of of player characters, but it's the AAA space that we need to improve on. I'd, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm a traditional mobile gamer. That's, that's <laughs> what I play. But we've got the PlayStation at home. I would love to have a game which I can go in play and have someone that represents me mm. playing. But I, I'm mm. used to playing. Uh, a guy that can shoot stuff up. Mm-hmm. So I'm conditioned to be able to to play those roles, and I think having a triple A game which has got a strong non-sexualized female playing, you would have to do a lot of um, changing people's minds and perceptions on how easy it is for mm-hmm. the other half, the, the other forty nine percent, which are male players, mm-hmm. in picking up and playing that game as the, as a female. Yeah, I think that's the the barrier we have to kind of overcome on that. And but, more. 
sorry, more female writers would be needed yeah. as well. I mean, you have, you know, someone amazing like Rana Pratchett, for example, who mm. writes really like fantastic female leads. You've got like Tomb Raider, for example, as she actually also wrote for one of our games. But until you have like those voices, um, like telling those stories as well, I think it's not going to be as well balanced. So you need to, I guess we as an industry need to to push female writers as well to be able to to give that point of view because it might be difficult for a man, not impossible, of course, but maybe more difficult for a man to, to share that in like a real way. So and you'd hope that that would be reasonably easy to do in terms of like, because like female writers, like if you look at the, the literature and books and fiction, um, some of the most successful authors of the last 10 years have been women, you know, Hunger Games, Twilight, Fifty Shades, Harry Potter, all female authors. So there's no reason why we couldn't get that quality of writing from female games writers. It's, it's then making the games industry an attractive place for writers to come into. Mm. So if, if you're, you're a writer, then you'll probably look at publishing a book and go in that route. You can self-publish on Amazon quite easy and, <laughs> and bits like that. But getting a, a writing job with possibly no experience in the games industry is always going to be a challenge. Mm. So when you're advertising for a, a writing role, women might not necessarily apply for that no. because they don't have the experience or look at it as a viable career option. So I think as those in the industry, if we want to attract a wider pool, we need to look at different routes for attracting them in. Mm. I'd, say, I'd say the same applies to journalism. Like over, over the years of my career, like I, every time I've been hiring someone, whether it's a staff writer, deputy editor, whatever position, I've always hoped for a kind of more female um, candidates just to kind of see who's out there. But yeah, it's, it's predominantly men who, yeah. who apply. But then you run into the issue, and this is probably more of a question for you, Gemma, like, like you run into the issue of do you hire for diversity or do you hire for skills? Because sometimes they might not have the experience, they might not have the skills, but they can bring a fresh perspective to your company. Like which, like, I suppose that's where you'd start as to what you want. Mm. So do you want to have a more diverse um portfolio of staff that bring those different ideas, bring those freshness, and the side of that is you might have to then put some investment in training them on what you would have hired for if you just went for experience. Um, we're, we're developing um, our recruitment at the moment where we look at what behaviours we want from a dovetailer. So it removes, removes gender, it removes um, experience. If you can come in and display these behaviours and give examples of them, then you're going to fit in. And it might not necessarily mean that you've got the five, ten years experience that we look for, but if you've got that can-do attitude where you, you know you're going to um, give everything you can to develop and learn, then I'd rather have someone that was 80% there and fit in than 100% there and they might not like working here. Mm. And then that's always going to, you know, they may be fantastic for Space 8 games but they don't fit a dovetail. It's absolutely mm. fine. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know if the two are necessarily mutually exclusive. Maybe we've been really lucky. Like we've got a game team now that's led by a woman, has a lead female artist and a lead female game designer. And I mean, that's a, a fairly new team that's come together. But I like to think that our company has given them the environment where, where that could be possible. And I don't know if that's possible everywhere. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think it's about hiring for diversity or hiring for, like, you still have to pick the best person, I think, yeah. for the position. But if you, you know, if you present 
people from within the company in the positions that people from the outside might want, then that might um, attract more people to apply. And then you've got a larger volume of people applying and then you have, you know, a more choice of who you're going to select. So I think it's like evening the evening the numbers of applications that are coming in more so than trying to pick one person over the other because of diversity. So going back to our early point then, like you say you've got this this awesome new team with female lead, female artist, female designer. What, are, if anything, are you guys going to be doing to highlight that talent, to highlight, hey, look, look at this awesome team, look what they're bringing to the table? Mm-hmm. That's part one of my question. Part two is like, <laughs> is it, if you are going to do something, is it fair to suddenly thrust them into the limelight? Like given given how badly women have been treated via social media and so forth like over, over the last few years. Like on the one hand, you want to highlight these people, but on the other hand, you don't want to expose them to the toxicity that's out there. Uh, I mean, one thing is obviously participating in events like this, mm-hmm. making sure that you know you're you represent your company at places like this, so that. Uh, potential potential applicants see it as a, like a safe and fun place to work. Um, but would we put them in the spot? I mean, why not? If they've done something really great, then you want to highlight that. I don't. I think it would be almost going backwards if you say they've done something great, but they're women, so we can't highlight them. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. So, yeah, as long as you know and, and aware that they may get some backlash and as a company you're ready to protect them and yeah. to support them and to make sure that you know, it, males and females can both react to criticism mm-hmm. and that we have well, when we release products you, you get criticism and mm-hmm. we have all of our people go oh my god I've worked hours and hours on that yeah. and they hate it what of have I done but if, I think as long as you're you're ready to help them through that, then it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You just you, We've got to get the positive stories like that out there. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, it's not about saying, here's a, you know, here's a female group of people who have made a game. It's about, hey, here's a group of people who've made an awesome game. Hey, they happen to be female. Yeah, and absolutely. I think that maybe needs to change as well. I mean, sometimes you go to these conferences and like the 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 reason people will be on like a panel or something is just because they're female rather than because they have an expertise. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe from like the outside eye, that also needs to shift a little bit so that it becomes more credible to have these women in these expert roles, you know, having having these careers rather than, well, she's a woman, so she gets to talk. I mean, that's um, yeah, I also notice often uh, when I'm when I'm or my you know other female game developer friends are invited to conferences, even if they are on an expert panel, there will always be at the end one special question for the female panelist, which kind of like is like, oh, you as a woman in games, what do you think now? But why do we need that question, right? She mm-hmm. she has already been I've already been on the panel as an expert in my field, you know, and yes, I also happen to be female. But why do often panelists like a host, like panel hosts, feel? Um, oh, and the last question, you know, I just need to yeah. highlight this. It almost makes it seem like oh, you were only invited mm-hmm. because you're a woman, so that I yeah. can ask that question, yeah. and it kind of undermines sometimes, yeah. you know, you mm-hmm. professionally. Yeah. So I wish that wouldn't happen anymore. Yeah. Exactly. The, the example I always think of is um, I spoke to Marina Halakainen a couple of years ago, the CEO of Colossal Order, who did City Skylines, mm-hmm. and she she was saying that she she gets really annoyed when people refer to her as a female CEO. She's like, I'm not a female CEO. I am a CEO. <laughs> like my gender makes no difference. Like, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it, it's it's difficult to kind of 
change their attitude because on the one hand you want to promote the fact that there are all these you know these great women already within the industry and encourage more but then yeah you don't want to kind of over highlight in the, in the way that you're saying and kind of make it seem like but that's not the norm it's difficult to both promote and normalize mm. at the same time i guess mm. i think just promoting for the right reasons mm. like promote them because they've done something great in their field and they deserve it rather than because they happen to be you know yeah female and also let us talk about our work right Like often, I really just want to talk about my work, you know, about my games, my design process, mm. um, and not about my my experience of being female. <laughs> you know, so but this is what what often happens. Yeah. And uh, yeah. apologize because I'm committing that no. to right now. I'm really sorry. I actually just wanted to quickly say something. I think last year, The Guardian, at the end of the year, they ran like a series where they asked game developers what mm. their what their favorite year of 2016 was. And I think all of the developers that ended up in the piece were women, but they didn't say female in the headline, female no. developers mm -hmm. picked so their good, games yeah. of 2016. So mm -hmm. it's just, you know, they contacted a lot of developers and in the end, you know, the list happened to be all female game developers. Yeah, that's good, mm -hmm. that's good. So, but then, again, that's difficult sometimes. So, like, I, so I wrote a piece uh, a couple of years back that was looking at sexualization in video games of characters. And I reached out to entire studios, as in, you know, as in like just a general studio, can I have someone from your studio comment? I wrote, wrote, reached out to specific individuals. I reached out to kind of AAAs and indies and everything. And it happened to be that I only got responses from three women because everyone else was like no we don't want to talk about this we don't want to talk about this because it's a hot topic, it's a hot yeah. topic. we don't want, to be, don't want our words to be misconstrued and when that article came out like i knew it was going to get criticized criticism for oh you've just time you've just asked women you've only asked their opinion so i actually put a kind of a, a kind of a caveat at the end of the article it's like it may read like i've only reached out to females on this I have reached out to so many damn people, mm. and these are the only people that have replied. It's not so it kind of works the other way. Like you can get <laughs> criticised, like you, you've only reached out to women. No, I haven't. You have no idea how many people <laughs> I've reached out to over the last month. It happens to be that these three are the only people who replied. Right. It's just it's difficult. It's what we live in now, though, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, we live on social media, so everybody's yeah. open to criticise everything. If you have a public profile on anything. People see it, people can comment, people can troll, people, they're going to do that. Mm. It's, it's building up this resilience to not let it affect us and it's okay, if you, you've picked me for being a female, great, uh, I'm going to sell my story, yeah. <laughs> self-promote. Yeah, but it, it's tough as well, isn't it? Like, as you say, like the, the social media, we live in, we, it's very much kind of a, a, an echo chamber of you've just got a few very loud, very, yeah. it's a, the vocal minority. I'm, but I'm thinking even things like um, when Mass Effect came out earlier this year and the animations were a bit glitchy and there was this, this whole social media campaign almost against one female animator blaming her for, you've got hundreds of people work on that game but they decided that this one woman and she started to get all this, yeah. it's just wrong. It's just ridiculous. The logic is ridiculous and the, re the reaction is wrong. What can we do about that? I'm not saying not sounding to be as like, oh, there's nothing we can do. No, actively, what can we do to stop that from happening? God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if we can stop it from happening, but I think it depends on how does the developer respond when mm. something like that happens. And I think my first response if it should have been that they explain to people, you know, this is how video games are made. This is what the role of this woman that you think is a culprit 
actually was on the team because mm. she wasn't the animation director, right? She wasn't the art director. Like if you, if you, I think a lot comes down to it that people don't really know how game development works because if you just, you know, like I don't know, I don't know how many hundreds of people worked on Mass Effect, but I don't think that one person on the team has the power <laughs> to, you know, to to decide something like that. And the the developer really needs to come out and just make this super clear to everyone mm-hmm. that it's if you are, you know, if games like Assassin's Creed Mass Effect, like there's hundreds of people working on it, targeting individual developers. Is uh, is insane. Yeah. It makes it makes no sense whatsoever because in a team of five hundred people, you know, you're one in five hundred. Nobody has that huge power. You know, <laughs> if you want to target someone, go to the executive producer, you know, creative director. Yeah, the person, the person yes, in charge. Exactly. So, yeah. But they won't because the person in charge, unfortunately, tends to be a white male. Like at the moment, so it's just, yeah. yeah, it's. But then they need to be the shields, right? They yeah. need to shield their team. I think mm-hmm. that's the responsibility that you have if you're the leader of such a project. I think there are people out there who do that. I mean, like I said, the Mass Effect example, I seem to remember Bioware instantly came out and like this like did, a statement, yeah. like that this is absolutely not this is not the person's fault. We have a team of people, we're sorry you're unhappy with the animations, but we are working on it and they, they instantly came out quite quickly. And I think it's kind of a skill that more companies need to to learn or prepare for is to that like you say that quick response attempting to defuse the situation it doesn't always work sometimes people just are intent on being angry on the internet <laughs> but at least you've got it out there and um, we're starting to run low on time so i kind of uh, start wrapping up what advice then would you guys give to any anyone who's looking to get into the industry, like any any women who are looking to get into the industry, any women who are already in the industry and looking to progress, kind of what advice would you give, give to them? Uh, for, for me, if you're looking to to get into the industry, just apply for the roles. If even if you do not hit every requirement on that job description, apply for the role. If it's a company that you like, if it's a product that you like, if it's something you're passionate about. That will come across every time. Um, for those that are in in the in the industry already, look around. Uh, people that uh, are already in leadership positions or positions that you would like, you know, learn from them. Ask to have a coffee with them. Ask to see what they did. What did they do in their career to get to that point? Um, I'd be more than open and happy to take people for a coffee or a beer just to talk about why I'm here and when, what I want to do. Love to raise people up. Uh, yeah, I think trying to get into the industry, um, yeah, apply. <laughs> um, also, though, I think like the people that you know inside or inside of your school or, or company, or whatever, are probably just as important as the people you know outside. So going to these different events where you can meet people in the industry, I think, is is key. You know, getting to know your peers. Like they might be your peers now, but later on they might have a job for you. Um, learning from those people, I think, is really important, and not being afraid to to take a job that not, might not be your dream description, just because, like I said, like if you get your foot in the door and you prove yourself, so many doors are going to open up for you. I mean, I think especially in the games industry, like there's so much room for movement. If you can, if you're good, like if you're good, you will get places. Mm-hmm. So get your foot in the door somewhere and then start to prove yourself on projects and you'll get more and more responsibility. And for people in the industry, um, same thing. Like if you're in a role and you want to move up, start 
start aiming for things outside of your role and start just doing them and doing them well and you'll get more and more opportunity I think is the main way and then also yeah finding mentors and again going to these different events and things so you can meet other people in your field it's huge yeah I think that's the most important aspect like find your maybe not peers but like find your community like you know I think especially um now with you know with women in games like um Like if you find other women that you jail with, there can also be creative collaborations that can come out of that, right? Mm -hmm. Not every path into the industry has to be through a studio. You can mm -hmm. also be a studio founder. So just just really be really open-minded um, about what you want your path to be in games. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Great. Ladies, thank you so much for your time today. You. Uh, enjoy the rest of the conference. Hopefully, more events like this and more conversations like this will get to the point where we don't have to have conversations like this. <laughs> <laughs> Here's hoping. Um, we'll be back soon with another episode of the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. In the meantime, you can find all your news, insight, and analysis at GamesIndustry.biz. Thank you.